Word Radio On Demand, 96.1 FM and 900 AM WURD. Streaming live at wordradio.com. Today I got a special guest. You already know we're bringing that heat. We're bringing that fubu, that news and entertainment that's for you and about you. And I got somebody on the line with me, um, Russell, who I think is going to be an amazing uh, conversationalist for this topic because two articles actually, right? He sent over some articles last night and I was like, all right, let me get into the articles. And I'm like, hmm, this guy knows what he's talking about. So good morning, Russell. How you feeling? Welcome to WRID. Good morning. Thanks, POC. I'm, I'm glad to, you like those articles. It's um, hard stuff to talk about. Not everybody thinks about um, the industrial makeup of the area and how that impacts stormwater and how it impacts our lives. I'm glad you thought that was interesting. Well, to be transparent, Russell, I'm a biker, right? So as a biker, these floods, they messing up our roots. You know what I mean? We keep getting smashed by um, water every time a car drops past or something. So when it comes down to bikers, I'm going to advocate all through and through. So I got a bunch of comments. It's like, we need to talk about the fact that it's flooding a bunch of bike lanes. This, this water and then this, this rain, this storm rain is flooding a bunch of bike lanes at the same time. So before we get into all that, Russell, I do want you to introduce yourself so that people know exactly who they're listening to, though. Sure. Um, Russell Zerbo. I'm an advocate at the nonprofit Clean Air Council, headquartered in Philly. I've uh, been doing this work for over 11 years in the city. No doubt. And, you know, when it comes down to the Clean Air Council, um, give us a little insight about that. What is that all about? And I know you're not new to the show you've been on. We were just talking about that you were on um, EcoWord before, but I still want you to break it down a little bit for us. Oh, sure. So the Clean Air Council was started in 1967 in Philadelphia before just as the uh, the Federal Clean Air Act was being finalized. It's like, okay, we have this bill called the Clean Air Act. We need organizations to fight for the things that are in there. Um, as you know, it's one thing to have a law on paper, uh-huh. but getting that, you know, getting that actually enacted is a whole different story. Um, and then about five or so, so fast forward almost 50 years um, we decided to get into water permitting, um, just because it was such a big issue. Climate change is getting worse in the city. Uh, so we started looking at stormwater permits. If you build a parking lot in the city, if you build a building of a certain, uh, size, you need to get a permit from the state that says where the water that you're pushing around is going to go. Um, and it's a really, it, becomes a tough issue in the city because the Philadelphia Water Department is involved in that permitting, but it's actually signed by the state of Pennsylvania. Um, So we know when people who have been in uh, political efforts around the school district know about sort of the the differences between city and state. Um, And, you know, somebody... That's a good point. Somebody with the state government may not be, you know totally attuned to what the city needs in terms of stormwater management. Um, Mm -hmm. So it becomes a tough issue. And I could just, you know, um, Philadelphia International Airport has all sorts of permitting issues because they're basically, you know, that entire site is in the floodplain. It's built on top of a swamp. Um, It causes a lot of the flooding issues in Southwest uh, Philly. And there's a couple of other big issues happening right now. They're redeveloping FDR Park. Um, and I think not doing such a great job of the stormwater management there. And then the, 
the really big site is the former Philly refinery. Um, they might add 1300 acres of pavement in Grace Ferry in the floodplain on the river. And we're, we're already seeing the river overflowing. Uh -huh. um, so really it's, it's a very basic question. Where is this water going to go? And it's really interesting that you brought up bike lanes. I don't think that people know enough about this. So like uh, most people have probably been to the Schuylkill river trail. It's beautiful. It has that trail. Uh -huh. um, that is, it serves as a beautiful place to go and bike and walk and hang out. Um, but it's also a flood mitigation tool. Yeah. Go down there. Those walls have spaces in them. Hmm. It is not an accident when that site floods. It is on purpose. Wow. I didn't it, know that. You just told it, me something about that. It provides a buffer. So it's like, I want more of that stuff in the city because it has those multiple benefits. You can, you know, when it's not pouring rain, you can go there and have a beautiful time. And then when we get these strong storms, it functions as a buffer uh, from the rest of the city. Okay, Russell, we gonna we need to break these things down. You just gave us a lot at once, and we need to go, we need to back it up just a tad bit and break some of these things down, right? I want to start with the comment that you made about the airport in Southwest. Um, the reason why I want to start there is because I feel like Southwest is left out a lot of conversations when it comes mm -hmm. to a greener, safer, you know, uh, beautification type of conversation for the city. So when you think about Southwest, I recently had somebody on who um, is doing a tree planting initiative where they're going to different um sections in Southwest and planting different trees to bring forth some beautification, right? right. So when it comes down to the water, the drainage, um, the sewage, and then um, the widespread flooding from uh, storms, can we talk a little bit about why do you, or why did you come up with the findings of the international airport being one of the issues? Well, it's, if you just look at, you can look at flood maps of the city that showed you the big word is the 100 year floodplain. Okay. Um, to say that this, this site is going to flood every 100 years. Um, and now we're in a situation where Philly is getting a 100 year flood more than every 100 years. Mm -hmm. Um, so that the construction of the airport basically pushed, it used to be a, what they call a tidal wetland, which is basically a swamp. Um, so we just kind of push that swamp into Southwest Philly. Um, that's why the John Hines refuge exists down there is to create, you know, try to create a space for that water to go. Mm -hmm. Um, and the airport keeps expanding. Um, and does Bartram Garden help with this at all by Bartram Garden having that little section back there of, of forestry and greenery? Does that help with pushing some of the water into that part of the river? Absolutely. And I'll tell you that. Bartram's is such a great example because Bartram's is expanding um, and eventually they're going to literally run into some of the old tank farms down there. It's hmm. so like Bartram keeps building a trail on the west side of the Schuylkill and keeps going south. And there are plans. Um, the Schuylkill River Development Corporation has plans to build the trail all the way down to Fort Mifflin, literally to the airport. Wow. That's like a long-term situation. But if you look at a map right now, there are active industrial petroleum storage areas um, who they themselves are trying to expand. We just submitted comments um, earlier this month about a industrial developer who wants to build a new butane blending tank in that area. 
and we had to be like, hey, like, do you realize that there are plans to build a trail through this area? Mm-hmm. And you're trying to build new industrial infrastructure. So there's a certain people are trying to expand industry and certain people are trying to expand Bartrams and eventually they're going to run into each other. No doubt. Um, I do want to let everyone know, for those who are just tuning in, you're listening to the voice of Russell Zerbo. He is a um, advocate for Philadelphia Clean Air Council. And we're talking about um, the effects of what, you know, um, a storm can do for a city like an urban city like Philadelphia uh, and, and the flooding that causes from a lot of these widespread storms um, and how it affects different parts of the city. And we were just talking about Southwest and how um, different industries in Southwest is actually affecting the city as well when it comes down to these floodings. Um, and Russell, I kind of want to move on a little bit, right? Because I want to talk about the Kelly Drive section. That uh, was one of the major um, incidents that took place this past week from the storm that that we had on Tuesday. Why I just want to ask a personal question, Russell, because sure. I've never experienced that in my life. I've mm-hmm. never experienced school closing early due to a, a storm. Like, was that new to you or was that was that just new to me? Um, and it was it, it wasn't just in Philly, like it was in D.C. as well. It was in Delaware, like schools literally closed because of rain. And I never experienced that. And this is a sidebar question, but I wanted to know because you do this work. Yeah, it. I'll just say the storm we got this week, very unique in okay. terms of the ground is already completely saturated because of the snow. I mean, the, the Sugo River flooded at the end of December. Mm hmm. So to have another storm so quickly after the previous one, the ground's already saturated. Okay. Um, and then there was a unique, a part about the storm that we got this week is that the, the center of it was putting so much water into the Schuylkill from upstream. So, you know, like everything, like communities way outside of Philly are pouring their water into the Schuylkill. Yeah. Yeah. causing it to rise and then the communities in Philly are doing the same thing. Um, and in that area of Kelly drive sort of, um, Maniunk and Germantown, there are a lot of, um, creeks buried underground that yeah. became the sewer system when they were like first developing the city. Um, the water department has all this new funding. They're literally expanding the sewer system up there. I can from, see like, it, especially in West Philly. I see it a lot. They need, it just needs to be bigger. Um, and there, that Schuylkill flooding is caused by, you know, miles and miles away. And then just the sewer system becoming completely overloaded. The sewer system is only so big. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a big back and forth right now because there's a lot of, um, the developers are proposing a lot of like underground storage tanks to hold water. Um, but even all that stuff, there's so, just a possibility sewage, that's overflowing. To hold sewage water or water from the to hold water. storm water. The, the storm water. I mean, yeah. The whole effort is because the um, that's a really amazing point. Is because, and I'm not the first person to bring this up, but the city has a largely a combined sewer system where mm-hmm. storm water and sewage go to the same place. Yeah, um, I didn't know that. So the way to stop all that. And that's a really that's a really rough situation that leads to these sewage overflows. So you really need to separate stormwater and sewage. So building individual stormwater tanks is a way For to do that. For health reasons too. Oh, the um, 
I don't even want to, if you take nothing else from this piece, <laughs> do, do not mess around in stormwater. Mm-hmm. That is nasty. Like when I saw those pictures of the people, you know, jumping into 76 a couple of years ago, that is, you do not want to be in that water at all. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. They definitely did take their shirts off and jump right up in there, <laughs> taking a bath in it too. <laughs> You're going to need a bath afterward. Yes. And I want to specifically ask you, you know, when you think about a city or urban city like Philadelphia flooding, right? I know you talked a little bit about um, why it happens, but what is the impact of, you know, it happening and then the cleanup? What What is the biggest impact, you know, when you think about Philadelphia having to go and clean up that large amount of water? It's just so, I mean, and the city is already struggling to pick up, you know, tires that get dumped and other illegal dumping situations Pouches and mattresses. Yes. And all that stuff, all that stuff gets worse. Imagine, you know, all that stuff doesn't disappear when there's a flood. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be further dispersed. And then on top of that, you have to deal with all the fallen trees, people individually dealing with their basements. And there are some decent programs and hopefully most people have flood insurance. Um, but it's just a lot of time and money from every direction. And obviously like, you know, we don't have a perfect city on a good day. Mm-hmm. So all of this is just like an extra problem to deal with while we're trying to just keep the city clean in general. No doubt. And I want to ask you a clean air question. I wouldn't be myself if I didn't. Right. <laughs> when it comes down to flooding, how would you say um, flooding actually influences or uh, impacts the quality of air after the rain and after the storm? Oh, that is a good question in terms of how those things might relate to each other. Um, Yeah, I mean, theoretically, if people are staying home more, there, I mean, there might be less transportation pollution. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I'm not sure that there is, because with the, um, the big link we always point out, is when it gets really hot or when it gets really cold mm-hmm. that has major impacts on air quality because people are driving more, people are using more electricity. Um, the only thing I would think if people, if people's power went out and lots of people were using generators, okay, that would have a big impact. Um, but usually the air quality is impacted by really cold or really hot weather. Um, yeah, that generator issue is a big one. And I, um, I think Philly did pretty well in terms of power outages. Yeah. I don't think we had too many power outage reports. I know that there were some people who did get some power outages and won't be able to get their power back on until Saturday. Um, but I don't think that that was something that was like super major across the city. I think it was just like little key sections of the city. But I did also want to ask you, you know, when it comes down to climate change and also gentrification, do you feel like that plays a huge role in um, this this reasoning of floods because more buildings are going up and then also the climate change initiatives and all of these things that are going on um, at the same time, do you think that that is the reason why a city like Philadelphia, specifically like a city like Philadelphia, is having these complications when it comes down to these weddings? And areas, Absolutely. especially like Mania, you know, when you think about just the, the the buildup that's going up over there. Absolutely. And I'll tell you, I um, have worked with different community groups in the city about new, I mean, everybody talks about housing development. 
and housing development is sort of exploding in the city and fundamentally changing neighborhoods. And, you know, we're the city is rampantly giving, you know, exemptions to build a three-story apartment in what used to be a two-story neighborhood. Yeah. And there was some really interesting connections where I was working with communities and they're saying, hey, like, we don't want the zoning board to give this exemption for the third story. And most of those situations, they're also asking for an exemption for open space. Hmm. Um, people don't realize that just in general, the open space requirement in the city is around 25% for a development, um, sometimes even a little bit more. But then if you go walk around the city and look at new development, it's sidewalk, immediately building, and there's no green space. Mm -hmm. um, so at the same time, the zoning board is giving uh, developers height exemptions. They're also giving them open space exemptions and allowing them to not have enough green space. It's, it's really obvious. If you walk around the city and look at older apartment complexes, they have courtyards. Yeah. And open space in the middle. And if you look at all the new development, it's just a big square. Straight up. Straight it's up. just a big... New York City. Yeah. And we need, um, yeah, we need that, that 25% open space requirement is really big. And, um, it's sort of one of those things is nobody is really responsible for like adding all that stuff up. It's like all those exemptions go, I one at a time for my one development okay. that I'm building. And then, you know, you turn around 10 years later and there's no more open space in your community, literally no place for water to go. And it just, you know, that's not where I want to live, a place that, that doesn't have. We are on the same page, Russell. And I want to ask you this last question before I let you go. Um, and you probably don't have a definite answer for this, and, and that's okay, but we're looking forward to solutions. And that's my question. Do you think that Philadelphia has a comprehensive solution to these floodings that are happening so we don't continuously have this as climate change is continuously developing? There are a lot of solutions out there. The, uh, the Philadelphia Water Department, um, is doing some really big development right now to expand um, sewer uh, collection, expand the city's sewer system. Um, they're doing some updates at the city's water treatment facilities. Um, I would like for a bigger connection, like, you know, the city is doing what it can with city-owned buildings and sort of energy efficiency and stormwater management and things like that. Um, but I would say we really need to not we're in sort of this mindset where any developer brings in some funding to build whatever they want to do. And we're always just like, yes, do whatever you want. As long as you're putting money in, into the city, exactly, that's fine. Um, but, you know, it's not 20 years ago. This, there's plenty of money flowing around the city. We can kind of push back a little bit and make people do green space and public river trails. But like for the... Um, the former refinery site, that's one of the big things we're fighting for, is um, we want a river trail down there and mm. that buffer so it's just not some big parking lot warehouse complex. Mm -hmm. um, so I would say the city is doing a good job on its own, um, but I would say we need to sort of push back on development a little bit. Um, not that development's a bad thing, but, you know, green space is development too. 
Yeah, we're, we need to push back. I think we have enough. At this point, we have enough that we could take at least a year off. You know, that's just my opinion, Philadelphia. We could take a year off of all this development and gentrification stuff, you know, and focus on what we already have and make that a little bit better for sure. Um, but Russell, I appreciate you joining us on this Friday morning. Thank you for coming through and, you know, and educating and re-educating our listening audience this morning on what's going on in the city of Philadelphia, especially when it comes to this um storm water you know what i mean mm-hmm. because we need to know what's going on with it and then our sewage water we need to know what's going on with that as well so Russell, i would love to have you back on the show sometime um just to continue and further this conversation but please let people know how they can find you stay locked if they want to reach out to you sure uh just email me at r-z-e-r-b-o at cleanair.org uh call me up 215-567-4004 um yeah please reach out to clean air council and POC, thank you so much for having me on the show. This is great. No doubt. I hope you have a great weekend. You too. No doubt. You've been listening to Word Radio On Demand. Listen live at 96.1 FM, 900 AM, and online at wordradio.com. 